Welcome, everybody. Great to see you guys this weekend. Everybody over at Montrose and watching online, thanks for joining in as well. We've been in this, uh, this series. We started it on Easter, and uh, we've called it Because He Lives. And uh, what we've been talking about is really uh, what, what the, the Bible refers to as the power of the resurrection, right? So uh, because Jesus gave his life and then that he took it up again, uh, the Bible says when Jesus did that, he, he defeated sin and he defeated death so that we could overcome sin and overcome death. And so we've been talking about like just how, how does that play out? Like what are the ramifications of that? in our lives, and how do we live with what the Bible calls this, this great expectation of what God can do through us. Now, I didn't say what God could do for us, so we're not talking about private jets and Lamborghinis and things like that. Uh, we're talking about what God can do through us, how he can work in us spiritually, uh, how we can love people and serve people and, and, and invest in loving our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, how God can express truth through us, like what he can do in our life and the healing and the help and the hope that he can, he can bring to those around us. So have that conversation here a couple weeks. It's on the podcast. It's on the website. And I uh, encourage you to uh, get your head around it and listen to it if you want to. I think you'll find it helpful. Uh, this week what I want to do is I want to talk about fear, right? I want to talk about fear. So fear is something that is a really almost like a prevalent thing in our lives today. And uh, fear is used for everything to like move us and motivate us to sell us stuff. You know, if you don't, if you don't buy our brand of something, something horrible is going to happen in your life, right? And so when you start thinking about fear and how much fear is kind of like present around us all the time, and then you think about how that shows up in our lives in very individualistic ways, like where we get fearful of things or fearful of a future or like insecure, we're like fearful relationally. And then all of that like translates into our relationship with God. And we think about walking by faith or trusting God and trusting what he teaches or what he promises. Like fear is a thing that is in our life and it's a thing that all of us struggle with to one degree or another. So what I want to walk us through a little bit that this weekend is how, how we can live above fear and how Jesus' resurrection from the dead empowers us to do that because of his resurrection and, and like the confidence that that gives us. It, would, it should, if we're his followers, it should cause us to look at circumstances differently. It should cause us to look at relationships differently, the future, even death. Like we would look at all of that differently because of the power of who God is and the fear that that alleviates in our, in our lives, okay? So uh, if you are a Christ follower and, and you're dialed into this, this is a conversation about who we are in Christ and what Jesus has done in us and what he wants to do through us. If you're not a Christ follower yet, then what this conversation is, it's about a hope and a help that's available. That God knows this. He wants to alleviate this. He wants to give you a hope in that. And that's all rooted or found in the person of, of Jesus Christ. Okay, so how do we do this and how does it, how does it play out? So I want to take you to this passage. We're going to set up shop here in 2 Timothy. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 5 through 7. 
So if you got a Bible or want to use your phones, we're going to camp there here this weekend. So what's happening in 2 Timothy is there's a guy named the Apostle Paul, and he is writing a letter to a, a young man named Timothy who's like trying to get his head around walking with Jesus and how that plays out, right? So we're going to look into their interaction with each other. So this is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, Timothy, I remember your genuine faith, for you shared the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. So Paul is looking at Timothy and he's saying, hey, I, I know that you have this genuine faith. That genuine faith is in you, right? It's in you. You saw that faith in your grandma and in your mom. So you kind of know what that looks like. And when you became, we would say like a Christ follower, you were given a spiritual gift when, I, when we laid hands on you. So the laying on of hands is a spiritual act. Like the church still practices this. It's a, it's a symbol of blessing. It's a symbol of affirmation. So like we would like put our hand on somebody's shoulder maybe and pray for them or commission them. So when I did that, you received a spiritual gift and God did this work within you. I want you to fan that into flame and not be overcome by a spirit of fear or timidity, but rather be defined by power, by love, and by, by um, self-discipline, okay? So I need to make a confession. I always try to be very, very authentic up here. And I need to talk to you a minute about my marriage. So there's an issue in my marriage that I want you to know about. And the issue is that my wife is a pyromaniac. We don't talk about it a lot publicly, but she has a real issue. Like she loves to set things on fire in an unhealthy way. So one time, uh, we, we moved recently about a year and a half ago, and we bought this property that was all run down, and we've been fixing it up. So we're like gutting a house and gutting a barn and doing all this kind of stuff. So I, we kind of live out in the country a little bit. So I made a burn pit. And I'm just like throwing the old cabinets, the old two by fours and, and on that burn pit. And somehow that ignited something in an unhealthy way, a passion, so to say, maybe a childhood wound. I don't know if she was attacked by birthday candles. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but my wife started burning everything. She caught her house on fire one time, it, like for real, and, and it didn't stop her. And then one time, we lived by a river. She caught the river on fire, on fire. It was in flames. The whole river was in flames. That didn't stop her. One time, we were working late at night, and she threw a bunch of stuff on the fire, and I was working, and she was beside me, and I heard this explosion. And I was like, what was that? What was that? And she was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. And then I heard another one. I was like, what is blowing up? And she goes, maybe the aerosol cans I threw under the fire. Like, it's an unhealthy thing. So... One time, so we got this burn pit. So I'm at the office one day serving the Lord. I'm at the office serving the Lord. And I get this phone call from Heidi. And she says, there's a little issue at the house. And immediately I'm like, what did she burn down? Like, what, what happened? Are the children on fire? Like, what, what happened exactly? And she said, there's this little issue at the house. And I said, what was it? She said, I, I caught your wheelbarrow on fire. So this, <laughs> this used to be my wheelbarrow here. 
And, it, and I love this wheelbarrow. It was my dream. My father left it to me. Like, it was like, like I wanted like this really, because we're going to do all this work, so I got the really, really ergodynamic one. with this. I paid like, I don't know, $100,000 for like this wheelbarrow. And what she had done was she had used the wheelbarrow and taken inappropriate things to the burn pit, thinking that the fire was out. And so she dumped everything on the burn pit, left my innocent wheelbarrow here, and she went to the store. And when she came back, the, f- the oxygen, like the, f- the embers of the fire were fla- f- fanned into flame, and she destroyed my wheelbarrow. Now, she says, God did it so I could teach you something about it. I say it looks demonic to me, but she's got an issue, right? So this is... This is kind of like what Paul is trying to say to Timothy. He's saying, listen, Timothy, you have this, these embers within you, these spiritual embers within you, and those embers are smoldering. They have a potential, but you need to fan them, and I want you to fan them into flame, and I want those to burn bright, and I want those to burn with passion so that you can have the deepest spiritual impact for Christ in people's lives that you can possibly have. So he, he starts this, like, this conversation with Timothy by like assuring him of that. So he's like, you have these embers, and those embers are like a genuine faith. Like I know that you have this genuine faith Timothy, and, and you know what it looks like. It looks like grandma, it looks like your mom, but that genuine faith is in you. So Timothy, when you said yes to Jesus, like when you turn from your sin, and instead of walking away from God, you walk to God. The Bible word for that is repentance. So I'm walking to God. I repented of my sin, I'm walking to God. Like you meant that. You weren't just on a kick, you weren't just doing religious stuff, like you meant that. That genuine faith is in you, Timothy. It's smoldering. I want you to fan that into a flame. And then he says, you've got this spiritual gift. So if you're a Christ follower, the Bible says everybody who's a Christ follower is given a spiritual gift by God. And that spiritual gift is is in you. It's given to you by God. It's given you so that God can work through you, and then we give that gift, those gifts to each other in the church. So, so Paul, in another place, he talks about this idea a little bit. He says it this way. He says, for we're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned long ago for us to do. So the Bible says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I've been given spiritual gifts. I have abilities, I have experiences, I have passions. And that's what he's saying to Timothy, like God has crafted you, he's given you all of that, and it's in you like an ember. I want you to fan it into, into flame. And then the apostle Peter says something interesting, Second Peter, he says this, he says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need Everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by the means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So Peter is looking and saying, listen, when you become a Christ follower, everything you need for life and godliness 
is put into you by Christ. So that's the conversation that Paul's having with Timothy. He said, Timothy, you have this ember within you, and it's, a, it's genuine. It, you, you didn't lose your salvation. You didn't renounce your faith. Like, it's in there, but it's not ripping and roaring. You have a spiritual gift, a calling. Here at Grace, we call it a God dream. Like, you have passions that uh, when you think about how God can work through you, not stuff God can do for you, how God can work through you, like, that's like legit. That's like an ember in there. And then if Peter piped in, he'd be like, and Timothy, not only that, when you accepted Christ, like Christ did this work. So everything you need for life and for godly, everything you need to follow Jesus, Jesus puts in you when you accept him. And all of that is in you. And Paul's using this picture. He's like, think of it like as this ember. And what you need to do is you fan it into a flame. You, 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 you act as an overcomer, as a victor, as a conqueror. You live with great expectation. Because you are a daughter, a son, a child of God. Because of the power of the resurrection, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within you. And you fan that into a flame, and God does incredible, powerful, wonderful things through you by what he's done in you. So Paul's just looking at Timothy, and he's like, fan that, buddy. Like, get some air on that thing, and get it rip-roaring, and let it turn into a, a full flame, right? Now, when you look at the passage, what you see is Paul's encouraging that. And then he looks at Timothy in essence and says, and here's the stuff that's blocking the oxygen. Here's the stuff that's keeping it from happening. And basically what Paul says is, is the, the big reason that that ember is not a, a flame, the big holdups are fear and timidity. And so he addresses that, and he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. So Paul's like, Timothy, I want you to have this thing fanned into flame, and like the holdup is fear and timidity. And God, God gives you a spiritual gift, God gives you salvation, everything you need for godliness is in you. God did not put fear and timidity in you. He put everything else in you. So when that ember is smoldering and cooling and smoking and dying because of fear and timidity, that's not from God. When it's ripping and roaring through God's power, his love, and his self-discipline, that's from God. So let's get fear and timidity out of the way so that what God wants to do in you, he can do fully in you, so to say, right? And I think that's just, this is where this becomes an issue for us, is when we think about the world that we live in and we think about our personal lives, if you start to think about how much fear and timidity plays into your faith and how much fear and timidity holds you back from acting in actions based in faith and how much fear and timidity affects your your ability to love and speak truth to people 
what you can find pretty quick is like fear and timidity is a big part of our life, which means it's a big reason why my, fan, my flame isn't roaring for God. It's a big issue in our spiritual journey and in our relationship with each other. So let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about fear and timidity for a second, okay? This is what I wrote down. You can write these down. These are great tattoos for you. Here it goes. Ready? I said this. What fear does is fear freezes. Fear freezes us, paralyzes us from doing what we know we can do or doing what God says that we can do. So fear fear freezes us. Timidity makes us tiptoe. So fear freezes, timidity tiptoes. And when those things are defining our life, it's going to affect our faith and it affects our relationships with each other. What fear does, fear freezes us. It freezes us relationally. When I'm defined by fear, what happens is how other people perceive or react to me determines what I do and who I think that I am. And sometimes we call it insecurity. Sometimes we call it anxiety. Sometimes we have like a bunch of different titles that we put onto it. But if you were going to put it in a nutshell and plug it into the scripture here, it would just be fear. And fear freezes me. It freezes me relationally. Suddenly, I look at you and I know that I need, to, I need to seek forgiveness. I know that I need to try to heal this relationship because Jesus would say, love as you've been loved, forgive as you've been forgiven. If a brother offends you, go to him. Like I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but I'm fearful of your reaction. What if they won't talk to me? What, what, if, they, what if they don't forgive me? What if they're super angry with me? What if, and we'll start to fill our minds with fear and all the lies that fear tells us. I know that I'm supposed to be a light in a dark world. The Bible says that if I'm a Christ follower, that I am the light of the world. Just as Christ is, now that's in me. That's, that's like who I am. But I'm fearful of that darkness. Because if I say something, I can get canceled. If I speak to, even with gentleness and respect, I, if I say the wrong word, the wrong way, the wrong time, it's going to blow up in my life. And that fear will freeze me from engaging or bringing truth and light to a conversation that's, that's missing it. I will be fearful of persecution. If I, if I am, if I pray for people, if I'm vocal about my faith, if people find out that I'm a Christ follower, that's gonna blow up in the dorm, that's gonna blow up in the locker room, that's gonna blow up at the office. And so instead of acting on what God would have me act on, I do nothing. I go silent. I tuck up and I freeze with, I freeze relationally. And the same thing that happens in my faith. Instead of acting on faith, I'm going to understand what God's word say, says and trust it and act on it. I'm not going to act on faith. Instead of acting in truth, instead of, instead of allowing that to define and direct my life, I'm going to, and I'll freeze my faith. And I'll take my relationship with God and I will turn it into something manageable and controllable and probably highly private. It's an ember. It's genuine 
I'll do some stuff with my spiritual giftedness. I know that I have everything that I need, but I'll use a little bit of it. And I'll lock up spiritually, I'll lock up relationally, and what happens then is I'll ultimately lock up in my life. And I will be afraid sometimes to go out in public. I'll be afraid to enter into any kind of new relationships. I'll be afraid of any opportunity because I would almost rather have, I'd almost rather live in my dysfunction than take the risk of having a different life. And fear will define me and fear will direct me and the ember of my faith and what God wants to do through me will just sit and smolder because fear blocks that oxygen, so to say, that would fan it into a flame, right? So fear freezes. Timidity just tiptoes. So what timidity does is it makes everything in my life manageable and controllable. Uh, I, have, I, I, have a, I have a vision that God could heal my family of its brokenness. I'll just take us getting along at the holidays. I have, a, I have a dream that God can restore our marriage. I, if we could just not fight today, that'd be great. I have, I, have a, uh, I have a belief and an understanding that God can free me from the shackles of sin. I just won't be Captain F-bomb. I have a hope that God could break the cycles of addiction in my life I'll just trade addictions. You know, one that's not as bad as the other one. And we'll approach life and we'll approach relationships and we'll approach faith. We'll tiptoe. Not too much, not too little, just kind of manageable, kind of make it work. And the ember, the ember of our genuine faith, the ember of of, of my spiritual gift, the ember of the God dream, it's there. It, I'm, not, I'm not renouncing Christ. I'm not losing my salvation. I'm just like not doing anything with it. Certainly not living with great expectation and certainly not living in the power of the resurrection. See? And so Paul is looking at Timothy. He's like, hey, that's, that's not the that's not the gig, bro. Like, that's, that's not what all that means. That's not the life that God wants to give you. That's not li the life that God is calling you to. God does not give you a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity. And the power of the resurrection and the glory and the excellence of Christ doesn't look like that or play out like that in your life. Now, he goes on, and he says, if you're looking for what this looks like in real time, it's not fear, it's not timidity, it's going to be something else. And basically what Paul does is he looks at Timothy and he says, listen, bud, everything you need for life and godliness is in you. Like, that ember's legit. You, you just, you got to fan it into a flame. And when you see fear and you see timidity, you're not seeing what God wants to do through your life. 
God doesn't give you that spirit. What he does is he gives you a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. So God would look and say, when I think of my people, I don't think of people who are fearful and timid. I think of people who live in power and the power of the resurrection would form like their outlook and their expectations in their life. So I wrote this way in the notes, that, that when you think about God's people, God's people don't live by a spirit of timidity, but a possibility. They, they, they live in the power of the possible. That's what Peter was saying last, last week, and we talked about this, that I live with this great expectation. I don't live from a place of like, I hope maybe God could or should or would or maybe or I don't know or it happened to somebody else. I live in the power of possibility, not your possibility, Christ's possibility. So when, when God says, I make all things new, the, the old is gone, the new has come, a person who is fanning the flame is living in the, in the spirit of power who is like, God can do that for me. It's way more than like clean my life up when I'm not Captain F-bomb anymore. It's way more than maybe we could quit fighting and have like a functional roommate situation. God would look and say, no, no, no. My people live differently. They would look at my promises and say, that, that can play out in my family. That can happen. When God looks and says, you are more than a conqueror in Christ. Looking and saying, that's a lot different than being a dysfunctioner. I, these cycles can be shattered, broken, changed. You are more than a kind. That's way different than I'm a manager. I manage my sin. And I practice the less intrusive parts. God would be like, no, no, no. I, I, can fr I free you from that. You are a new creation. That is God. All a, all a child of God does is say, I don't live by this. I live by this. The power of God is like this real and present thing in my life. And it's not about what he does for me. It's not me looking and saying the power of possibility. I'm going to believe God for $65 million. Like, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that no, the power of spiritual change, resurrection power, God takes things that are spiritually dead and makes them alive again. That alters everything in my life. When I'm in difficult situations, I don't think in terms of like, hope I can survive it. I look and say, how is God going to redeem it? What's the possibility of what God can do through me in this situation? Everything I need, he's already given to me. The spiritual gifts I need are already in me. The faith that I need is in me, it's just an ember. I need to fan it into a flame. So a spirit of power. I said this, God's people don't live by a spirit of fear, but of love. We live in a spirit of love. I'm not afraid of what people are going to do to me. That's not what motivates me. Me desiring for other people to experience the love of Christ is what motivates me. Now, here's, here's the way that this plays out. Sometimes the most loving thing that I do for someone is speak truth to them. Sometimes the most loving thing that we do for someone is speak truth to them. A spirit of timidity would say, 
The most loving thing I do for someone is enable them. The most loving thing I do for someone is tolerate them. But when everybody knows what the problem is with like that person in your family, but nobody will speak of it, nobody will press into their life, nobody will have the honest conversation, nobody will at all try to break the cycles of destruction because I'm fearful of what she's gonna do. God would look and say, my people, this love casts that fear out. I love you enough that I'm going to act despite that fear. I love you enough. I'm going to go to your side. I'm going to be involved in your life despite my fear of rejection, despite the fear that's birthed in insecurity. That spirit of love, that, that inclination you have when God puts somebody in your mind, that's what's from God. That insecurity that talks yourself out of it, that's not from God. That's fear and timidity. God gave you a spirit of love. And the last one I put down is that God's people don't live by the rule of chaos, but by self-discipline. All self-discipline means is intention. So when I live by self-discipline, I'm just living by intention. I'm doing things on purpose. I'm moving myself forward. I'm growing because I meant to grow. I'm not living in chaos, bouncing from thing to thing to thing to thing. I'm not living in chaos, hoping that, that my luck changes. I'm living with intention. Everything I need for godliness, God has gifted to me. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit lives within me. Everything I need, my spiritual gifts, my faith, God gifts to me. I'm fanning that into flame. So I want to purposely follow God. So I'm going to look and say, as a mom and a dad, what are we going to intentionally do to introduce Christ into the ecosystem of our home? As a person who struggles with addiction, what am I going to intentionally do to introduce the things that break cycles of addiction in my life. As a, as, a, as a couple that is struggling with a relationship, what are we going to intentionally do to bring godliness into our marriage or into our dating life? That spirit of self-discipline, of intentionality, of purposefulness, I, I'm, I always just kind of was controlled and defined by my environment but I want to follow God. So I'm gonna intentionally look at my life and I'm gonna ask the question, what are the parts of my life that make Jesus make sense to people and what are the parts of my life that confuse people about Jesus? I'm going to push away the things that are not beneficial is how the scripture says it. I'm gonna push away the things that aren't beneficial and I'm gonna introduce the things that are beneficial and amplify my reflection of Christ. And Paul's talking to Timothy, he's like, hey, bud, like, that's, that's from God, right? Fear, nah. Timidity, new. Power and, and God's ability to keep his promises, yes. Love, yes. True love. 
Self-discipline, intentionality, yes. And everything that you need for life and everything that you need for godliness has been given to you. It has been empowered and proven and accredited by the resurrection. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's at work within you. Not for you, but what God wants to do through you. And the abundant life, the rich life, the meaningful life, the deep life, the eternal impact life, all of that is brought to bear by this work that God wants to do in you. Right now, when you take all of that, what God has done in you, what God wants to do through you, and you think about fanning that into flame, right? The way that this works out is, in reality is really interesting, right? So I, I put this in our notes because I think this is super important. I wrote this down. Fear and faith always coexist. Fear and faith always coexist. I think there are times that we think to ourselves, if I have enough faith, I will never experience fear. And then you just flip the coin. Whenever I experience fear, I must be having a crisis of faith. And what I think we need to be sure that we know is that fear and faith always coexist. It's not the presence of one and the absence of the other that's the issue. It's which one of those two things am I acting on? Am I acting on fear or am I, am I acting in faith, right? So Heidi, my wife Heidi, she's crazy. I, I mean, uh, she's, she is nuts. And I love it. Like everything fun in my life, Heidi brings into my life. Well, you need to know she comes by that honest because her father is also crazy. Like it's a DNA issue. I think that's going on. So her dad is 76. Uh, last year, he called us and he said, uh, hey, I'm, my 75th birthday is coming up. I'm like, that's great, dad. Your counting is going really well. And he, he, he said, uh, my 75th birthday is coming up. He said, I want to do something really fun for my 75th birthday. And I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. Like, have a party, like, get a cake, go out to dinner. He goes, I want to go skydiving. And I was like, Dad, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go skydiving for my 70th birthday. I'm like, Dad, you're hip. I don't know. He's like, I'm doing it. And he goes, I want all the family to come watch me go skydiving. And so I was like, Dad, okay, but like this better work out. Because if my children, like if this doesn't go well and my children are all watching it, like I'm going to be upset. So we go down to watch him go skydiving. We're standing there watching him go skydiving. And my father-in-law is all excited. So he, he gets into the plane and he goes up into the plane, and he's up, I forget, like, I don't know, 100,000 feet. I don't know what it was. Like, super high up. You couldn't see him. Super high up there. And he's going to go skydiving, right? Well, when you go skydiving for the first time, you don't know how to go skydiving. You don't know anything about skydiving. So what do they do? They hook you to a skydiver. So it's a tandem. So they got all these things. They hook you together, and the guy in the back has you, and you're in the front, and you tumble out of the plane together, right? Ready? Now, my father-in-law is all excited about this. He's jacked up about it. When he got to the edge of the plane, and he's looking thousands of feet down, do you think fear was present? Sure it was. What's running through his mind right then? Like, what have I done? 
what bad decisions have I made? And then he's going to start saying this. Did he, did he tighten that buckle? Like, who folded this parachute? Who's supposed to pull the cord? Like, that's the stuff that's going to go through his mind. He's got his feet hanging out the plane, and fear is going to be present. When they count to three, three, two, one, and my father-in-law throws himself out of the plane, he's acting on faith, right? But who is his faith in? His faith is not in him, because he has no idea. All, all he's doing, he's not diving, he's just falling, right? That's all he's doing. His faith is not in him. His faith is in the one who he's attached to. His faith is in the one who's going to do all the work. See? He has fear and he has faith. The two are present, but he acts. But the faith, the courage, the boldness to act does not come from himself or his positive thinking or his human efforts. It's all about the attachment. And who's going to control the process? Who has the knowledge? And who has the skills and the ability to execute this jump so that everything works out the way that he hoped it would work out? Ready? Fanning things into flame is just jumping. And Paul's looking at Timothy. He's like, Timothy, you're like sitting on the edge of the plane and like, you're good, bro. Like, like you have a genuine faith. It's there. You have spiritual gifts. Like, it's there. Everything you need to land on the ground in one piece, it's there. But it's not there because of you. It's there because of the one that you are attached to. And if you want to see the one that you're attached to do his thing, if you want to experience an abundant life and have experiences and have situations have things that you would have never had on your own, the only thing you have, like you got to jump. And it's not until you jump, because I'm afraid, I'm timid. He's like, right, that's not because of who you're attached to. That's, that's from you. The one you're attached to, power, love, self-discipline. See how that works? Faith and fear are always in the same place. Being nervous, being scared, being uncertain, that's not because you don't have a genuine faith or a relationship with God. That's because you're looking and saying, if I had to do this by myself, I would fail at it. And God's like, right, I know. That's why I gave you everything that you need. And your ability to act in love and act in power and act in self-discipline, that's not from you, that's from me. But it's genuinely in you. And you can make this jump, and we're going to stick the landing, and it's going to be a crazy ride. And that's the life 
that I've called you to as my follower. Now, I wanted to give you just some real quick practical handles for this, right? So that we're just not amped up. Like, what do we go and do? And what you're going to see is a theme pretty quick, okay? So when it comes to fanning the flame, what do I do? Like, I'm going to go away from church this weekend, and what do I do to fan the flame? So see if you can pick up a theme. Here's the first thing. To fan into flame, what do you do? Act in faith. Like, you got to jump. You got to jump. Guys, listen, there's parts of God's word that you're afraid to trust. There's callings in your life that you're afraid to act on. There's obedience that you're not sure if you walk in it, it's actually going to play out the way that God said it would play out. To fan that ember into flame, you have to act in that faith. That's why God says, Without faith, it's impossible to please me. How do you journey with me? How can you walk with me? Because the very nature of a human being walking with an all-powerful, all-knowing God means that I don't know what I'm doing. And I have to trust the one that I'm attached to. So I act in faith. Ready? See if you can pick up the pattern. The fan and flame, I'm going to act in love. When Jesus says the deal is... Love me with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are love relationships that we're frozen in. It's been so long since I talked to them, and we have this tension. I've created this scenario in my mind, and now I'm super insecure to act on it. Somebody has to lovingly, with gentleness and respect, tell them the truth because everybody else is enabling their delusion. I have to lay my life down for them, and I'm afraid, I'm afraid if I set aside my rights, they'll take advantage of me. I can never know any of that until I jump. And I trust the one that I'm attached to. So I have to act in faith. It fans the flame. Faith begets faith. I have to act in love. Love begets love. Right? Here's the third one. Did you see the pattern? I have to act in purpose. I have to act in purpose. When I am frozen, I have to move. And I'm going to have to be intentional. I'm not... I'm not just suddenly going to get over my fears. When I have made it a habit to be timid, I have to choose to act with a boldness and a courage. I'm not suddenly just going to get over that. But the one who is in me is greater than the one who's in the world. So Christ, everything I need to act the way that God has called me to act is in me. It's the one that I'm attached to. But if I don't, if I don't make myself jump out of this plane, if I don't have a plan to jump out of this plane, I'm not going to like accidentally fall out of the plane. Right? So faith... Faith is choosing to believe in what I do not understand and will never fully comprehend. And choice is always an action. 
And Paul's looking at Timothy. He's like, buddy, I want you to fan that ember into a flame. And that fear that everybody struggles with, right? You think Daniel was a little nervous when he went into that lion's den? You think think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they felt the heat of that furnace, were like, hmm. You think David, when he walked up to Goliath, was like, whoa, he is tall, right? Fear is a part of all of our lives, right? Faith is not the absence of fear. It's the trust of the one that I'm attached to. And Paul just looks at Timothy and says, buddy, you have to fan that. You have to fan that. It's in you, it's real, God has done it. Another part of the Bible would say this is like, it's what it means to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not work for your salvation. It's like now that I have it, how do I live? And the action of faith fans the flame that God has put in us Fires that are roaring are easier to keep going than ones that have grown cold. So faith begets faith. Love begets love. Discipline begets discipline. And all Paul is saying to Timothy is like, just get the paper plate going. Fan that thing, right? Because God has created you. He has called you. He has gifted you. He has redeemed you. He wants to do great things through you, and that's the life you want and you long for and you're excited about, okay? And because he lives, we can trust it. The work's been done, and we're just simply living our life in the power of the resurrection, okay? All right. Would you pray with me as the band comes in? Jesus, in these still moments, would you just interact with us? Would you be real and personal with us? And God, just as we kind of take a deep breath and embrace what you're trying to teach us, would you just be with us in this moment? God, would you help us to see areas of our life that were frozen, that fear is stopping us, stopping us from following you, stopping us from obeying you, even stopping us from enjoying you. God, would you meet us in that place? And God, would you, through your power and your leading and your spirit, Show us the action we need to take, the relationship we need to pursue. Would our trust of your love for us push that fear and let us be defined by you instead of it? God, places where we're timid, God, where we know we need to have the conversation. We, we know we need to go all in with our trust of your word. 
Would you help us to act in that place? And God, just places where our fear needs strengthened. We know with our head who we're attached to. We know intellectually who we're attached to, but when it comes to actually trusting you, trusting that you love us, trusting that you believe in us, trusting that you've changed us, trusting that we're secure in you. So Jesus, in a very personal and powerful way, would you help us to rest in your grace and your mercy and in your love?